Okay, welcome. Tonight's share. We're going to continue the mimer we were learning last week, which is in the Hisophis, in the editions, in the back of this holy book of Torah Or, Parshas Tetzaveh. So last week we learned, um, this is on page Dav Kuf Yud, um, in the back of Torah Or, and we learned last week the first page and onto page 220, we went to Siv Gimel, and it leaves off Siv Gimel and Siv Dalet for this week. Okay, let's just recap. Um, the recap over here is the, symbol, the symbolism and the meaning, not the symbolism, it's the symbolism, the the spiritual dynamics of Arun, the, the, the Kayin Gadol, lighting the menorah. Well, what is he doing? What is he accomplishing? Obviously, he's lighting a, a lamp. He was lighting a lantern, candelabra, and it was physical light. There is something spiritual that is taking place in a very powerful level. And this we know was like like one of the main uh, services in the Beis Hamikdash in the temple was the was the lighting of the menorah. And obviously. Even if we don't have a temple yet standing, which we're going to have any day, um, we still have the ability to connect to the spiritual kindling of the menorah. So what's the idea? In this discourse, he's explaining what's mainly he's explaining what Aaron's role is, the, the high priest. That's the Kayyadl's role. But in the course of his explanation, he's also going to explain the role of Moshe. Because Aaron and Moshe were like a dream team. They served as the first um, leader of the Jewish people. Moshe was like the leader, but Aaron was like combined with Moshe. It was Moshe and Aaron as a team together facilitated the spiritual dynamics of the relationship between Israel and Hashem, and the Jewish people and Hashem. Moshe and Aaron together bring us, bring, cause this unification of the Jewish people and Hashem. In the words of the Zohar, in every marriage, since this is a marriage, our relation to God is a marriage. In every marriage, there has to be an escort to the groom and an escort to the bride. Moshe is escorting the groom. Aaron is the escort to the bride. Which means Aaron helps us upward and Moshe helps God down. And in other words, facilitates. Aaron facilitates our elevation and, and, and Moshe facilitates Hashem's descent. Through Moshe's neshamas, we're going to see later in the Maimon. Moshe is the only one who his soul is the conveyor of pure divinity without any watering it down and without any change in the divine message. There were many prophets, but the qualities of all of the prophets is their extensions of Moshe. The reason a prophet can be a prophet is because he has a little Moshe inside him. And the reason why a rabbi, uh, a real holy rabbi, a real uh, could also communicate the word of God to his flock and to his people and so on and so forth, even throughout all of history, is because of Moshe's neshama, a little spark of Moshe that's in every one of those transmitters of Torah. The transmitters of Torah are the Moshe. That's that's what it is. It's not it's not it's not anybody else other than Moshe, because Moshe is the only one who has. We're going to see later in the Mimer who is the purest state of complete of absolute and complete um, absence of self. He is the complete, the state of complete um, self-abnegation, if you would call it, or, or, or a, complete, a complete conduit without any self involved in it. 
Aaron, on the other hand, represents the highest levels of passion, fervor, excitement. And uh, Aaron is also a communicator of the divine. But Aaron's communication of the divine is more the excitement about the divine. Aaron is the one who brings us spiritual experiences. Yeah, Aaron is a Hasidish Neshama, of course. It's the experience at our end. And that's the idea of kindling the light. So the, the, the lamps on the one hand obviously will be the souls. To kindle the souls means to fire up the souls and give us an ability to long and yearn and burn up for God. But also um, the idea, which is very strongly emphasizing in the Mimer, is Aaron is responsible to bring us to the joy of a mitzvah. The joy in being a Jew. That's one thing of being a Jew and doing all the commandments. Another thing to give us the sizzle. It's not Judaism is not meant to be dry and heavy and difficult. It's supposed to be an exhilarating experience of joyous service of God. And a mitzvah contains within itself more joy than, than, than exists in all the cosmos. In other words, if we would be true to the mitzvah, and we would be, and it was, a mitzvah is deserving. The, every, you did one mitzvah in your life, one mitzvah. This is, this, is an, this is an answer to everybody that's kind of walking around depressed or semi-depressed or a little bit. This is the answer. If all you had was the opportunity to do one mitzvah, you have enough reason to celebrate and celebrate and celebrate. And as much as you can celebrate, as much as you can celebrate, literally, as much as you can possibly celebrate by causing every kind of thing in celebration, all your energy and all your resources to help you celebrate, <laughs> a whole lot of l'chayim, a whole lot of music, a whole lot of company, a whole lot of festivities, dancing and singing and this, it still doesn't do justice to the mitzvah. That one mitzvah calls for boundless celebration. Why? Because the, the preciousness of the mitzvah and the divine light and, and therefore ecstasy and bliss, which is associated with that divinity, because where the divine is, is ecstatic, is ecstasy and bliss and pleasure is so vast that the worlds, that our world can facilitate. The entirety of the, of, the, of the universe can't, the physical universe can't hold it. In other words, if you were to bring the entire universe as one to receive that one flash of light from that mitzvah, the world would blow up. They couldn't handle, if it would reveal itself in it, the light and the, and the, and the illumination of the pure divine of the mitzvah. The world would, would be too much, would blow a fuse. Not only the physical universe, all the spiritual universes that exist, and that's endless, higher and higher, far more expansive levels with angels and angels and angels, including the worlds of paradise, Ganadin, and all the Ganadins put together, where all the souls are enjoying, all of them can facilitate the light, the energy of the one mitzvah. Why? Because the mitzvah is pure transcendental godliness. That's the idea. That's all I have to say. The mitzvah is pure transcendental godliness. Transcendental godliness means God as God is for himself, not in any way related to the world. 
So if anybody studied Hasidus in the past, these Kabbalistic uh, classes and so on and so forth, we know that the entire hierarchy and system of worlds, evolution of worlds, and billions and myriads and myriads and myriads of super beings, super beings whose capacity is like a gazillion times more than us. And there's a whole myriads and myriads and myriads and myriads, and endless and boundless and boundless and boundless, ongoing forever levels of worlds with endless creatures. This whole system starts from the 10th from the 10 attributes and downward, beginning with Chachma and so forth. Above the Chachma, which is only a tiny little nothing, a little, a little hair, we might call it. From Chachma is a little hair. The Chachma is nourishing from what's beyond Chachma through one little hair tube. Imagine the amount of energy that flows through one hair of your body compared to your entire capacity of experience and life. What is one little hair? So Chachma, which is the source of all worlds and everything that's in it, one little hair. The mitzvah is taking and connecting us and attaching us to what's beyond that hair, as he refers to it, the skull itself, which is the keter, which is, which is, which is pure, the divine Hashem's light as it is unfiltered, undiminished, un. And therefore, if the mitzvah itself was to reveal itself over here, the world can't handle it. That's why there is a premise and a rule that says, mitzvah The reward of a mitzvah, it's not possible to experience it in this world. Over here, we just do the mitzvah. We don't enjoy it. We don't experience, We can't enjoy it. We, we don't know what it is. We, we have no, we can't imagine its exhilaration. When Mashiach will come and after that time, somehow, somewhat, we will be vessels to be able to receive it. But until that time, we don't. But even today's days, we could experience some of that amazing godliness, not so much the godly light itself, but the consequence of that godly light, and that is the unbelievable joy that is a consequence of that light. So let's see. When that revelation of divine, and really what it is, what is the mitzvah? The mitzvah is the divine will. That's the mitzvah. The mitzvah is the will of God. The undiminished, unadulterated, un, unfiltered, un, unconstricted will of Hashem. As it is, as pure as it gets. It's purely infinite. But there's something deeper. A will is always an outside expression of a certain pleasure. Because why do you want something? Because there is, there is something thrilling about it. Something that is pleasuring. So even higher than the will is God's infinite pleasure that is unfathomable to the most sublime, sublime celestial beings and definitely unfathomable to our gray matter that's in our head. It's not shy. It's not, you know, that's the pleasure. But as a result of that pleasure and of that light that the mitzvah triggers, now let's take the mitzvah one second further. Now, why does the and what's the secret of that pleasure? Obviously, we don't know, but we know something. The mitzvah is done in this world. The actual mitzvah that triggers the pleasure is done in this world. Not in all the spiritual worlds above us, but down here. What's the secret of that? Because of the sparks of holiness that are released. 
That's what we discussed last week. Because mitzvahs are done with physical matter and with our physical bodies and our physical world that is so resistant to the divine, that's the reason the mitzvahs are so pleasurable. In other words, the mitzvahs are so high because they are so low. So you get the connection. Because the mitzvahs are so low, which means they, are involved, they, they, they connect, the mitzvah is being done with the substances and things of this world that are in a state of such, of such ignorance, of such separation, of such detachment. And when you're doing the mitzvah, you're allowing the spiritual energy that's in that physical item. It doesn't, we don't have to understand how, what, where, and when, but that's what we're doing to reconnect to its infinite source. That's, that reconnection is, but why does it have to be only in this way and doing through this and that? That's the infinite will and pleasure of God that we don't understand. But that's just what happens when we do the mitzvah. So that, that revelation of pleasure up there, as that begins to show itself, in some in some world, okay, that's really higher than all worlds. It's in the Keter, it's in the crown of Hashem, which is Ain Sof. But when it shows itself, a little bit illuminates into the system, into the into the where it where it resonates as, as explosive joy in the supernal level of Bina. Which Bina is the is, it's like God's brain, but the the infinite brain of Hashem. And over there, the pleasure of the, it's there it's understood. Over there, there's a comprehension of it. And that comprehension stimulates incredible joy up there. But obviously, it's God's joy. That's the idea. Again, on a much higher level, it's higher than joy. It's pleasure. It's pleasure and fulfillment. Fulfillment, like, like almost like in the subconscious levels of the divine. It's delight and fulfillment. But as it trickles down into like the human figure of God, where God lowers himself down into, it releases itself this as boundless pleasure. That pleasure, that's not, not the boundless pleasure, a boundless joy, that joy that's, that's, that's there in, in Hashem himself is not sheared in Ganeiden. Ganeiden means in the spiritual realms. All the pleasure and all the delights of Ganeiden are from a much, much lower experience. It's all just from the godliness that is mitigated to have a relationship to creation. Hashem's, you know, God gives light to the world. It's not God's personal pleasure. He's it's almost like all the pleasures of Ganeiden is God lighting us. He's throwing us a party. It's not his party. That's the difference. Ganeiden is God throwing us a party. A mitzvah is God having a party for himself. And that's why the mitzvah is like enormously bigger than the whole Ganeiden. It's almost ridiculous if you to, to even talk about Ganeiden when you're talking about a mitzvah. And that's why we say that the, the, the God says, you guys are just not getting it. Do you realize what you got? And Hashem says, because you didn't serve him, with joy, for more than everything. Okay. But the problem is, we're dealing with something so sublime, so high, so remote, and so removed, that it's even higher than the highest pleasures of the souls in Ganeiden. Even they can't comprehend it, know it, and experience it. So, so what does it have to do with me and you down here when we're in physical corporal bodies? Like, we don't have a relationship to it. It doesn't mean anything to us. We can do the mitzvah, we can plug away, but for that, you don't have to feel anything. Just do, 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 do. 
Go through life, dude. We'll promise you a little rewarding on Aiden. You'll be happy and you'll go for it. And we'll rewards in this world. That's no, no, no. And God wants to share some of his party with us. So I have the experience sometimes, like I'm sitting and I'm watching, you know, going through and someone sends me a video and I get a thrill of it. I don't know, for some, something, something weird or something exciting or something. And, and then you, who do you call? You call someone else that you want. You, there's usually no pleasure of just seeing something yourself. You want to, it's like that pleasure of, you got to see this. You, you, and you want to watch that, that being, that person, your child, your friend, your, your mother, your father, whoever it is. Your sister, your brother, your colleague, your friend, whatever. Delight with your delight. That's part of your delight. It's almost like Hashem too. He wants to share his joy with us. He wants us. He wants to show his little kid his joy. So that's the point of Simcha Shal Mitzvah. Hashem does allow a little drip, a little, a, little, a little drop to drop down from his joy into our experience. For us to experience this sublime, infinite joy. And that's the real joy of the mitzvah. It's not even, the, it's, inf, it's much harder than the Ganein. Who facilitates that drop to drop in our soul? Aaron. That's Baalois Chasaneris. That's the idea of lighting the menorah. Lighting the menorah, the, the mitzvahs on the mitzvahs, but how do you take the mitzvahs and connect the mitzvahs to their spiritual source above? How do you join the two together from a, from a human duty experience into the sublime, infinite simcha and joy? Both the spark itself needs to reconnect to the, to the, to the supernal. And that itself we discussed last week needs assistance. Someone has to lift it up. And Aaron Akoin is the one who sends from above to help facilitate lifting the sparks. We learned last week the example. He's like um, a, 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 someone who's very close to the king who helps bring people into the king because the people themselves, when they would be standing in the antechamber, whatever they call it, in the outer room, they would suddenly get such, such fear and dread from walking past the threshold to the king that they couldn't have, they couldn't have the courage to do so. So you have an, a, a, someone who's, a doorsman or something like that, he helps people come in. And that's Aaron who helps facilitate, that was just discussed last week, the elevation of the sparks, bringing them up. But that's not just the whole thing. That's connecting the physical mitzvah, lifting the spark up to its, back to its source. But at the same time, what else does Aaron do? Aaron has that unique, unique ability to channel this burning soul. He calls it the supernal whiteness that's above the hair of the scalp, he calls it, the whiteness of the scalp of God, higher even than the divine mind. The infinite light of God as it is so, so, so high. Aaron's name, he has an aleph in his name. The aleph represents this or in self, this infinite light. And then the end of his name, he has a long nun, which nun is the longest letter, and it goes down, 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 represents that he can capture from what's above, above, Aaron can capture the infinite, and pour that down through a, through a, through a wire, that's the long nun, is the long infinite wire, that goes down, down, down into the lowest worlds to give us a touch of infinity, and to allow us to celebrate our Judaism, to celebrate a mitzvah, to sing in that, and what's the middle letters of the word Aaron, Har, mountain, mountain is love, He's the loving energy of Judaism who, who, who facilitates this love between God and Israel, Israel and God, and connects us to rejoice in God's rejoicing, to experience the joy of the mitzvah. That's what we learned last week, Bekitzer. 
That's like a little summary of what we learned last week. Now he's going to explain the the oh, now just one more thing. The idea, so so therefore Aaron serves two things. He serves as an elevator. In other words, he's lifting the sparks up, and he's the consequential, the consequential, uh, a, a consequence of the mitzvah to bring us some of that joy in the mitzvah to us, so that we can. He takes us into that divine experience. Now, how does he do it by kindling a lamp? What's the idea? So the sparks of holiness that we elevate, which is the source of all the joy, that's hinted to in the wick. I didn't in the mimer last week we didn't learn it, but I'm gonna add that now. In Hebrew, the word for a wick is called a psila. Pei sof yud lamit hey. Psil, like the word psil. Psil means a a um, a wick. And um, what happens to the wick? The wick gets burnt in a fire, like in a, in the fire. The wick serves as and the and the and the flame like comes down and attaches itself to the wick. So let's put it this way: Hashem is compared to fire. God is compared to a fire. The wick is the world represents the world lifting itself up, and to to be able to receive the dwelling of God on it. It's this union, the union between the fire and the wick. So. We know, let me just, that the sparks of holiness, we spoke about the Sashah this morning, Shir. We mentioned that the, there are 288 sparks, some total of all the sparks that we have to lift up. But the name of God that's associated with the 288, remember we were talking about the word Shema, Shem, I in 340, which is a combination of 288 plus 52. 52, we said, is the name of Malchus, the name of the Shekhinah, the name associated with the, the, the shattered, the sparks of holiness that Malchus is also the bride. She's, she's being elevated towards God. It's, the, it's this process of ele- uh, the source of our souls is the Shekhinah, is Malchus. The source of all the sparks is the Shekhinah. In general, it's the name 52. It's the name 52 we discussed many times. Is the tetragrammaton? It's Yud Kevavke. But when you have the filling letters, you get 52. Kolchein Bam 52. And that's the part that needs to be elevated. And that's what we're elevating. Now we know that every attribute, which is Malchus, for instance, has 10 sephirot inside of it. 10 is the perfect number. So Malchus is the 10th attribute, but in herself, she has 10 sephirot. The Chachma of Malchus, the Bina of Malchus, 10 times 52 is 520. Now let's look in the word Psil, which is Psila. Psil. So Pei and Taf is 480. Taf is 400. Pei is 480. Yud and Alamed is 40. So 480 plus 40, 520. 520 is 10 times 52. With, but Psila has an extra hay in the end. It's, I, just, I just gave you the gematria of Psil. 
But hey, is an extra hey. The hey is the general element of Sphiris Amalsus, which is called the hey. Yud Kei the latter hey of God's name, is what we have to return to God. That's the meaning of tshuva. Hashuv hey, bring back, bring the bride back to her room, making shalom bias between Hashem and the world, Hashem and the Shekhinah, unifying God and the world, bringing the, this unity together, elevating the hey. That's why psila, the psil, which is psil hey, 520, 10 times nun beis, with the hey itself, all being elevated and through Aaron, he's the one who's lifted the psila, the psila up to its union with God. And then he's bringing down the fire, which is the great joy, that it, the, 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 the pure joy of the mitzvah that's purely divine. It's God's joy of the mitzvah for a tiny bit of that to like be able to like illuminate, like we say on, on, on Purim, like, there is light and joy. This is the divine light and joy that comes down upon us. As we learned, light, he explained earlier, oil is, is the lights of Chachma and Simcha is the lights of Bina. And these are the two things that come down onto the menorah. Okay. Now he's going to explain. This is all explaining what's the idea of kindling the menorah. But now he's going to get a little bit deeper into what else is in the menorah that makes it work. And without that, the menorah is completely in a, uh, uh, unoperatable. And that is you need oil. Oil is one of the most important components. And that's what last week in the parasha begins. That they should go get olives, crush the olives, get the oil, and bring the oil to Moshe. And Moshe will supply the oil to Aaron, and Aaron will light the menorah with the oil. So here is where he's going to explain that the preparation of the lamps were done in the morning. What was the preparation of the lamps? Pouring in the oil and setting up the wick. But the actual igniting, it happened in the evening. So he's going to explain what is this idea of bringing forth the menorah, the oil, what does it mean in our service? The preparation of the lamps was with a shemen, with oil, as it is not. Now we know already what, we discussed already what the psil is. Um, these are the sparks that are being elevated. But what is the oil? So we know that oil is always we know that oil represents the element of Chachma. So we know what? Where do we know that? The sages say, I'll bring two interesting things. Um, Talmud tells us, Sages tell us that there's a story in Nevoah, in Navi. Adav and Amelech, um, they needed a, they were looking for a very wise woman. Searching for a wise woman. So they went and they brought him a woman from the city of Takua. And why was it, uh, what was there so special about Takua? That was the oil capital in Israel. That's where all the olive groves grew. And because the olive groves grew, grew there, it's a, now obviously it's because the quality of the place, it has to do what we spoke on Monday night. Remember we said that Monday night we were talking about the whole idea that when you go to a place, you have to like conduct yourself in accordance to the characteristics of the place. So if you're in an oily spot, you're going to be impacted by the oil. The spiritual dynamics of the oil is chachma. So you see, and that's why she was a wise woman, because she came from that oily town. And oil is chachma, especially olive oil. 
Now, um, another indication for this, the sages say, if you want to merit to have children who are scholars, you have to be very careful with lighting your Shabbos candles. If you're careful with ner. That's why some people are are, are makbid. I know my daughter does it. I wasn't the minig in my house, but my daughter, because of her husband, I had this minig in his house, that they light Shabbos candles, dafka with shemen zayis, with olive they don't light, they didn't use uh, candles. They use always the olive oil because an extra idea that shemen is chacham. Okay. So if you're putting in oil into the lamp, it means that somehow you have to, something connected to chacham. Now, if the lighting of the, of the menorah is, the mitzvah is the menorah. And what's the idea of a mitzvah? The elevation of a spark. Every mitzvah is taking something physical and connecting it to God. You're taking the spark of holiness that's there and you're lifting it. For some reason, you can only do that with oil. He's going to explain why the elevation of a spark is related to chachma. If oil is chachma, so then let's see what it is. Kiyadu as it is known. Shabachachma dafke is bidru. It's a famous phrase we've learned it so many times in the Mamaramir. That the power to do a elevation of a spark, which begins by separating the spark from the husk. It begins from doing the separation, taking the energy out of the out of its trapping, which is trapping it, and re 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 uh, redirecting the energy, right? So the power to do this bitter, this this purification, this clarification, we learned this from the power of chachma. Chachma is the power of all bitter, of all purification. Okay, and now what you see about oil. So he's going to show you now one of the characteristics of of oil that symbolizes it is silent. Oil, oil is not a noisy entity. And what do we mean it's not a noisy omni? Is when oil gets burnt up, it does so very silently. It doesn't make even the lightest noise in its consumption. It gets everything else that gets burnt in a fire makes noise. Oil just gets slowly drunk up by the fire without a peep. Also, um, uh, you know, a, a candle, uh, you know, if you take oil, compare it to, let's say, wine, alcohol. Alcohol is noisy. You can know, why, why do places sometimes not want to have a store that sells alcohol at their corner? <laughs> other than some other reasons, but generally... The reason you don't want to have an alcoholic uh, place because when they're, when they're serving alcohol, there's going to be a lot of loud music. Music, noise, screaming, louding. Alcohol creates noise because alcohol, wine, has to do with the bina. Bina is noisy because bina is understanding and understanding brings out excitement and excitement is noisy. The Levites were a noisy bunch. And they, and they because they always sang and made music and so on and so forth, and they used to do all their singing and all their noise making. They did it together with the libation of the wine. Purim. Purim is one of the noisiest holidays. First of all, we make noise and shul. We, we bang the haman. And then when you party, you make a party. There's no such thing as a quiet party. A party is supposed to be noisy. And that's what wine does. Creates the noise. Oil, on the other hand, silent. It represents a certain tranquility, a certain silence, a certain calmness. Because that's the difference between Chachma and Bina. Bina is 
when when you're in a state, let's 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 explain this quickly inside inside our our internal experiences of Chachma and Bina. Chachma is the first initial initial um, initial um, flash of an idea when you're beginning to understand something when you're beginning to experience a certain new revelation. So when you experience that new revelation, when you're still in a state of Chachma, you're silent because you're not excited about it yet. You're lost. It's like a new, someone is giving you a new thought or a new idea is, is beginning to brew somewhere over here. You sit in silence. There's no reaction yet because you're not getting it yet. All what you're trying, you're not even, because you don't wrap your, you're not even, you haven't wrapped your mind around the concept. You're just like open for something. And as soon as this new light is coming in, you become so lost in this new light that you're completely muted and silenced. And it's interesting the word chachma, koachma, the power of being what? The power of being overwhelmed by something bigger than you. So you're, you're lost in it completely. Then when you're finally able to come back to yourself and stretch your mind and fit it into your entire you know, worldview or perspective of how you see things and so on, and kind of able to like match this concept into your mind and facilitate it and take it in, that's when there's a return of self. Intellectual stuff, not a, not, a, not a negative ego, but there's, there's you back there. And then, and then there's the excitement in the mind. I'm getting it. And you get excited about it. And then, then you're excited about it. You, you talk about it to others and you share it and you're noisy about it. So Bina is more noisy. Chachma is very quiet. That's why Bina is called Yesh, something. And Chachma is called Ayin, nothingness. And then the word Chachma is Kayachma. Oil has the quality, first of all, also, just like when you're experiencing Chachma, what happens to you when you experience Chachma? You're suspended yourself completely into nothingness. Self-suspension. You're lost. That's what Chachma is. It's the same like the oil. The oil gets consumed by the fire. When you're experiencing a Chachma moment, the concept has eaten you up, has swallowed you. You're not even there. You don't even know you exist. If you're in a real deep experience of Chachma, you're, 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 you'll lose all sense of time and space. People who's in a real state of Chachma, in a very, you're not there. It's not you. It's you, 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 you melt it into, into something bigger than you. Is an ability of like transcending yourself into something higher. Like you see the oil does. The oil melts into the flame. It melts into something higher. Shaman, it's silent, it's quiet, it's that power. So chachma is this bitl, is this complete nullification. And we will understand why that's the way to extract every spark. You have to evoke the chachma that's in it. And he's going to now, so in order to explain this, he's going to explain the whole concept of a world. Of sp what's the problem? What, why do we have to go fetch the sparks? Why do we have to fetch the sparks? Because they're, mis they're, they're trapped. They're, they're, they're not, the world is in a, in a disconnected state. What's the idea of the world disconnected? The idea of any kind of disconnect means we're not part of the unity. Where things have ego, where things believe that they're the center of the universe. When you have creatures and beings who see themselves as the center of the universe and not part and surrender to a higher oneness, it's really encompassing everything. And it's all part of this magical oneness. And if instead each thing pulls into its own, own little world and believes it is the center of the universe, that's the klipa, that's the unholiness. That's, so the whole idea of klipa is this, the self-awareness the self of it. It's disconnect of the greater, higher, infinite Havaya, the only reality of realities. So in order to redeem a spark, you have to bring it, to, to, to break itself 
into the nothingness of the Orin self. It has to transcend its own rigidity of beingness. And that's the idea of the oil. He's going to explain, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, he's going to explain that everything in the world has oil in it. There's nothing that, even stones have a little oil. Everything has oil because there's a little bit of chachma in everything. The potential of bittel. It's the potential of everything to recognize the truth. And to, and to be completely. And here's the thing. The more you have, which means the more suspension you have to the source that's creating you, and the more you acknowledge that, recognize it, and sense it to the point that you don't have that, that, that self-awareness of, 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 of you know, you're not, the more alive you are. Because that's where life is. Life is not you. Life is the power that's sustaining you. So the more one you are with that power, the more you live. The more one pulls away from that into self, that's death. So for instance, Adam and Eve died when? When they separated themselves from the Chachma. Because they decided to do their own thing, not God's thing. That means the opposite of Bittal. When you're plugged in, then you live. So he's going to explain something really awesome. How are dead things going to come alive? We know that in the, one of the principles of faith is resurrection. The oil that's in everything is going to be released. And even the dead bones, they still have a little bit of oil. And once the oil, once you reconnect, once you reconnect, boom, it's, it's alive. You activate the bittle, you're alive. We see it in our life. When we have bittal to Hashem, and we're here just for God's project, then we're full of life and energy. And the moment we creep back into like, what's my agenda? What's about me? And how am I happy? And how am I this? Then, 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 then. Just a, a spiral of misery. It's an experience of death. But if you surrender yourself, what am I needed for? What can I do for the world? What can I do for God's plan? And if you tune into that, every, the more we tune into that, every, the more alive we are, the more joyous we are, the more happier we are. So transcendence of self is life. Falling into self is death. So the trick of elevating anything, all sparks, now the sparks have become disconnected from the Chachma. It's almost like the Chachma element that's in everything. Everywhere is a spark of Chachma. Chachma is the point in every creature. and Every, every creature is a recipient of God. The, the deepest inner point where the creature is just being created from nothing to something. So it's connecting to the nothingness that's creating it and it's receiving it in its purest point. That's its chachma. When that chachma is dull or is dormant and quiet and the other elements, the, the somethingness of everything starts becoming dominant and felt and strong and the person becomes submerged in themselves, as we said before, that's, that's trapped. That's the spark being dislocated disconnected from the oneness. So to rebring, to bring the spark back into the oneness means to activate the chachma that's in everything, to access the oil that's in everything. So every mitzvah, the key of every mitzvah is, is the bittal of the mitzvah, the surrendering. I'm surrendering to God's will now. That's the chachma element. And that's elevating the spark and that's why when you're lighting the lamps, what is Aaron doing? He's lighting it with the oil. He's, he's highlighting the oil. 
He's uncovering the oil. And once you uncover the oil, the bittle, then you have the connection. So Allah, now he's going to explain this a little bit in Kabbalistic terminology. So let's take a look. So the sages, to understand the, the, the quality and the importance of the Chachma, let's preface it by first understanding the explanation of what the sages say. They say something about olive oil. Something really cool. Sages say that it's not good to eat olives. Because eating olives cause you to forget. Olives are something that bring a person to, to um, forgetfulness. Sages say that if you forget by eating olives, that if you take olive oil, it's very good for you. Because olive oil brings back what you forgot. So they say, just like the, the olive itself makes you forget what you learned, what you studied for 70 years, you forget. One, uh, I don't know, olive spread bagel <laughs> makes you forget what you learned for 70 years. Keep away from those olives. But you put a little oil on it, uh, it restores. Brings back the study. So obviously, we believe that this is true. And even in the physical sense, that's why some people are mocked that whenever they serve olives, they make sure there's a little olive oil there. Not plain olives without oil. Always add a little oil of olive. But obviously, this has a much deeper meaning as well. What's the inner story of this? Of the hidden, of the olive making you forget, and the shaman that's enough. This mimer, this teaching is a pell, it's a wonder. What does it say? What does this mean? Let's first examine the whole idea of what of, of fallen sparks, of things being disconnected, of death being in the world, of pain and suffering, and all the stuff that is all a consequence of what? Of shattered vessels. God created the world and he didn't create it with a continuum. If he would have created with a continuum, what would have been? And everything would have been just one continuum of his oneness. So in order that there should be free choice and all the challenge and all the thing, Hashem busted. He, he created, he made sure that in that evolution of divine energy in the creative process, there will be a certain point of a cutoff, of a disconnect, and that's the concept of shattering of vessels. And it's explained that there are these ancient kings, and these ancient kings died, and these ancient kings represent these supernal attributes that broke, shattered. It's discussed that the, that the powers that broke were seven. And they're associated to, to divine energy. In general, we know that there are ten attributes. Three of them are intellectual attributes, and seven of them are the emotional attributes. So it's explained that where did the shattering of the divine attributes happen that brought about this whole disconnected state? It's in the seven emotions. That's where. But not really the seven emotions. It's a mistake people make. If the seven emotions shattered, no. The Malchus, the lowest one, didn't shatter. What shattered was Chesed, Gevura, Teferes, Netzachod, Yisod. Six, but where's the seventh? The seventh is the Das. Das precedes the emotions. Das was the first king that fell and broke. Das is the, is, is, is the key to all the emotions because Das 
is the essential, what's das? Every emotion, right? Emotions are various different forms of excitement. In order to be excited, there is something that's exciting you. Das is the connectivity that connects you to whatever it is that's exciting you. When a person has a broken connect, connectivity, you're gahaktatsars. That's a very big problem. And it, what does it mean, a broken connectivity? Our entire state of connecting becomes like polluted or becomes um, it becomes damaged, it becomes then then here's what happens. Listen ostensibly. Here's what happens. There are certain truths. God blessed us with a mind to be able to know truths. We perceive all those truths in our mind. Have you, have you ever felt that? You ever experienced that? I think this is my, my biggest issue, and I think it should probably be the biggest issue by most of us. We know so much up here, but we don't know it down here. It's a crazy. You can learn like these hours and hours of these most incredible ideas. And when we're learning it, it's so cool. Five minutes later, we're like totally lost. And suddenly we're so attracted to things that are totally not in the same wavelength. And even, actually, even things that are um, total opposite, total contradictions. You can be excited about Mashiach and it's such a like real thing. And then like, we're, what's with you? Like, where are you? Like, what's going on? If you're so Mashiach, then how this? If you're so... You know, if, if, if there's such truth, and the answer is, when the das is not rectified, when the, the, that means that you know, but you're not connecting to what you know. You know it's not your reality. It, it, it's nice subjects, it's nice ideas, but the das is not. So what happens is, where your das is at, that's where your emotions are. And that's where your excitement is. So if your das is not the oneness, if your das is not, let's think about this. A simple, simple example. God is the reality of everything. He is the he is he is the pulsating life of all of existence. It's a singular energy of God that is flowing through all of the world. He is life. If you if, if, we know, and those who study Hasidus a little, we all know we know this. So we know this concept. We know this concept. Once you learned it, you learned one mimer, finished. You're good for the rest of your life. Because your rest of your life, you know that God is the pulsating life of everything. Why are you going to be excited about anything other than God? Why will anything excite you? Why will a nice vacation excite you? Why will a, a, a good lunch excite you? Why will other exhilarating experiences excite you? Why would anything excite you other than the source of sources? Especially since the source of sources is available to you 24-7. You can connect and bond to it through doing mitzvah, studying Torah, Doing like that nonstop, and that should be our obsession day and night. But we all find that that's not the case. We study and we know and we know this truth, but for some reason, it's the truth over here. It's not the truth over here. The emotions have a different truth. The emotions are more excited by pickles and herring than it is about God. There's got to be some major, major disconnect. Where's the disconnect? The disconnect is because when God created the world, the, the Chachma and the Bina remained attached. The Das of the divine fell. The first of the seven kings, his name was Bela. And what does Bela mean? Bela means swallowed. 
what happens is like this. The, da, the unholy das comes and swallows your das and takes it into, in a simple words, what it, let's see how that translates to us. That means that our animalistic soul, our physical and earthy side, our animal side, also has a connection to the world, as a das, has a very strong connection to the world, and it swallows the das of our soul. So even if we have all the experience, all the, all the knowledge in the head, we have no das to connect to it. It's almost like the das is, is shot. It's like the das is wounded. And that's called hesachadas. Hesachadas means your mind is distracted. We're distracted. We learn, we know, but we're distracted. We're not there. We're not connecting. It's not, it's not, <laughs> the reality is not taking us. And as long as that das is not rectified. And automatically, once your das is not there, so then the emotions are not, you can't get excited about something if you're not connecting to it. So where is the connection left? In, in what you do have das. And what do we have das? What, what do we really feel? What do we really feel? See it this way. I, I relate to it this way sometimes. Now you can be going to a Fabrangan and there's a speaker speaking like phenomenal things. There's good sushi on the table. Think about it now. There's like really good sushi and it's got like that really good source and there's like three good pieces left and you're thinking about it. like oh, And like on the one end, you're listening. It's not like you're not listening, but your das isn't there because you're like thinking like, what's the best approach to get that sushi over there like I, I, yeah, this is me. I can tell you exactly me. I, it's good that I'm usually the speaker because then I've, I don't have that. Even then I can think about the thing. But if I would be at the receiving end, that's what I'm thinking. Meaning my das is not the, the pearls of wisdom being shared. It's like I'm that guy there, but I'm like on that thing. Could someone, how is he going to pass? Whatever. That's not a whole thing. That means that the das, there's some kind of, a, at a certain point, your das is like, like, like not in it. It's, that's the das of Klippel. Now, that's the concept of the olive that makes you forget. There are seven powers, the seven emotions, including the, the das, and the olive represents the, the fallen das and the emotions. The, the, the olive, and that's why the olive is bitter. It's the bitterness that presents all this. That's why it makes you forget because you learn so much and a minute later you forgot it all because the, the, the reality of the pluralistic world is overpowering your understanding of the oneness is not coming through as your as your what's real to you because you're disconnected. You forgot. We forget. So we forget. We forget everything, and we want this from this. Wow! Like, how could I know this? How could I have forgotten? Like, fifteen minutes later, how did I forget? How did I forget? And you wonder, like, that's because the das is not there, and then it brings forgetfulness, and it brings and this 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 this, this um. Okay, so but here, here, that's terrible, right? That's terrible. That that shows on a on a on a real on a real um, on a real serious problem. But the good news is that there is that there is uh, a way to fix it. Because if God would not have created this mess, had He not allowed us to fix it, and that is that there is a certain part in us that never breaks. Like the, the, the das and the emotions break. 
it, it, it broke in the supernal realm and the divine. So definitely we, consequential of there, it, it it's, we're born with a lot of brokenness of this, of the das and our emotions. Especially the more we activate the broken system, the more it becomes normal to us. So, but what's not broken is that the chachma and every neshama is not broken. And there's always the, the, the deep, deep, deep at the core of your being, there's a place that's connected that never gets separated from God and falls into something else. Your das, yeah. The das, your connect, connectivity. Could be could be shattered, is, but the chachma in our nishama, deep inside there is a place in every single person that is, that is reserved for its, and knows God and is not knows but is it's surrendered is 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 completely bottled Hashem, and that's why we know that you can even meet a person, whose entire life, is in a godless state. You can meet a person whose entire life, you know, you're talking about, about a person who's living in Hesachadas and a complete uh, um, um, distraction. There are people who are distracted by the physical world 70, 80 years of their life. They're busy chasing every Hollywood movie, every physical thing. And, and, and the, the main point of life is serving the quintessential one, one of oneness. They sent you in this world in a mission to reveal oneness. And you haven't even thought about it even once in your life. Just how to make more money and how to more pleasures and how to be more famous and how to be it's like worshiping this whole, you know, golden calf. It's amazing. It's like the ultimate bit separation. And yet, even a person like that, if if you can get to his chachma and you can remind him that he's Jewish and that he has a spiritual soul, and his soul is suddenly there is an awakening. Suddenly it's like as if he never forgot. As if he's always known it. You can shake him out of the stupor. It's like a shake. You shake a person up and like, huh? And they suddenly like, suddenly something deep inside opens up of this like awareness. Because the chachma is always there. But it can be dormant. And there's a shake up and the chachma wakes up. And then this person who's been so disinterested and un and didn't care about anything has a, has a moment of chachma awakening and it reconnects. That's called chiyas amesim. It like resurrects the person, spirit. It resurrects your spiritual identity, your soul. It brings you back to life. That's the concept that he's explaining that the chachma never breaks and that's the concept of the shaman. The sh that's why the olive oil brings back what you forgot because the olive oil represents the chachma which needs to just be triggered. You have to discover the oil. You have to uncover the oil. Now, Chachma also means remembering. It says that the, the Moyach HaChachma is the Moyach of remembering. That means even when you're, you're forgotten, who you are and what you are and what you're all about. Our job with other people is to cause them to remember. You're not here to teach anybody anything. We're here to just make people remember what they've known always, what their soul has always known. 
to open them up to their own memory, to hope that they should remember, suddenly remember, hey, I'm here for a purpose. I'm here for a reason. If, you, if you're teaching someone your spirituality or what you're, what you're, you haven't touched them at all. Not that. It's like to wake a person up from, from, what, from, from their sleep that they remember. And who do you th- what do you think when a person gets excited to do a mitzvah? Why are they getting excited? It's cool. It's not. They're getting excited because they suddenly remember. They remember that they're here. That they're here in this world. They remember God sending them down here. They don't remember it in a very conscious, but there's the, like their soul suddenly remembers that. And that's why you have people who, when you do with them a mitzvah, they just suddenly there's tears, like just, just gushing down their face. Why? They just remembered. They remembered what they forgot all their life. I'm not saying that they're going to forever remember. They can go back into forgetting, but for now they remember. Because you stoked the chachma. You woke up that chachma, that memory that we all have. And in that place, so, so the point is that when we say we forget and we get distracted, it's not, it's never 100%. There's always 3% that's connected there on the top. That's the redeeming point. It's never a complete disconnect. Because if the Chachma would have fallen as well, then once we're in the shattered state, we would have no way of re- reconnecting. Because we became a complete disconnected being. But because there is a point inside of us that is always connected, that's the idea of like, of like, of like, of, of like awakening the, 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 you know, fanning the flame of the, of the coal. The coal still has a little bit of fire. It has something deep inside. You don't see it, but it's there. You give it a little bit of a, and it wakes up. I saw this beautiful story today. I was going to share this just, just fantastic story. So there is in Cleveland, there was this, um, there's, there's a shliach, a chabad shliach, his name is Yossi Marazel, I think. He runs, a, he, he, he was in charge of starting um, the um, friendship circle. The friendship circle is one of the ways that chabad emissaries, shluchim, uh, connect Jews to Judaism and, they, and, and also help people in an amazing way. They started a program where you have um, special needs children who they pair up these special needs children with volunteers. The volunteers are volunteers from you know all kinds of schools, you know, teenagers, and young young adults, and they pair them up with special needs kids in the communities. And when they pair them up, so they go visit them and spend time with them, do activities with them. And in addition to the help that the special needs children give and giving people a purpose and something meaningful to do to help another person, it also gives an opportunity for those that are running these programs to inspire the, both the inspirers and the inspirees. Families, it's, it's impacting entire families because the families of special needs children, they might not have known much about Yiddishkeit, but now we have access into their house because we're sending someone in to help with their kid. So then the, the, the one who's organizing has already a connection to them. Gets them to do a mitzvah and get them to start building a relationship. Also the volunteer kids, kids going to public schools, going to a non-Jewish school. But now he's involved with the Jewish, with the Jewish project. So they have, and through this thousand, a hundred, literally it's one of the most successful programs. And it's huge. And people love it because it's, it's, I think it's such a brilliant idea. And it's a very kind idea. Anyways, this rabbi in Cleveland um, um, needed a new place. It's, you know, it was very pretty busy. They needed a place, and next to them there was a 
a building that was used for a old Yiddish-speaking crowd who, I mean, not religious, very not religious, very secular, very pretty much uh, not just secular, but super secular, not interested in Judaism at all, if we might say. And um, they had this building where they, they would get together and have their old Yiddish things and and then journals and writings and so on and so forth. Anyways, they were kind of like running out of business. It was getting old and they decided to shut the place down. They were selling it. So this was a perfect place and it was pretty close to where they needed. Anyways, the president of that, of that organization knew the Chabad rabbi and he told him about it. And he said, I can get you a good deal on it. So they started working on it. But meanwhile, there was a whole board. And one of the people on the board was extremely stubborn. And he said, meaning at any cost, we're not selling it to our enemies. These are the guys, you know, we are not selling it to them. And him and his wife were like, put their foot down. And they were very known people and loud. And, and they were making such as they couldn't. And there were other buyers who wanted to buy it. So it was making, it was literally, it wasn't looking too good. So the Chabad Shaliyach decided that he's going to go to the Rebbe. So he hopped into a plane, he went to New York, and he went to the Ohel. And he died. He spent, he, he wrote down the, you know, the, the whole thing, plus the name of this couple, and all that, and asking for the Rebbe to do something to help him out. Because I think that a day later, they were supposed to do some kind of a vote, the board. And it was, okay. So he's there, spends four hours, and he heads back to the airport, and he got there late, and uh, ended up catching the plane at the last second. Gets onto the plane, and he's sitting by the window, and there's another two seats over here. So he... he he realizes that there were other seats. He tells this couple that's sitting there, he says, yeah. he says, I, I, I have, I'm not going to bother you. I have a seat over there so you don't have to get up. He was eating like he had a conversation. And the guy says, oh, thank God. Like, thank God you're not sitting here. Oh, thank God. <laughs> the guy says, so he realized the guy's speaking Yiddish. So he says to him, uh, oh, no, yeah, I will sit here. And he says, now that I see you speaking Yiddish, I'd like to talk to you. Anyways, okay. <laughs> After all, it's a seat. So, yeah. What's your name? Tells me. He almost fainted. It's this couple. It's that couple that he didn't never met them. But this is the name of the people that are giving him all the problems. He's sitting now right next to them for the plane coming back. <laughs> so he tells them who he is. And they started getting old. Because <laughs> they knew the fight. He's putting up a fight for him. But he had four hours. So in the course of it, he started explaining them everything that Friendship Circle does and all the beautiful, heartwarming stories of how many people they're helping and all those things. And when they're done with the four hours, he just melted them completely. And they were, of course, you know, we should have it, whatever. And the guy said to him at the beginning of the fight that he doesn't believe in God. So when he was getting off the plane, he asked him, so do you think that the fact that I sat right over here next to two of you a day before this, it's just... He said, I think there might be something. But not, oh, but here's the story. Not only these people agreed to the sale of the building, but they became one of his biggest supporters. <laughs> so you talk about like someone living a world in the, living in, in, as an atheist, total non-believer and so on and so forth. And all you need is someone to touch. And where do you touch? You have to go, you go, go to the river, you get the source of the flame and you're coming back and you're right now on fire. You got that energy. You got that chachma energy. You got that that oil in you. You're full of that oil. And you pat, and you touch the oil in someone else. 
you awaken it. And even from a state that is so and opposed and so on and so forth, it completely changes. And that's the concept because in the, because why? Because these two people, as much as they were in denial of their, of their godly soul and of their, of the higher mission and godliness in their life, they had it. If they wouldn't have it in them, you, you couldn't, you know, you wouldn't change the lives around the one meeting. He did it because they had it. It just needed to be exposed. The oil needed to come in. And that's what he's saying over here in the Bible. Let's read it inside. This will be understood. The root of the shattering of the vessels. And the seven ancient kings that they passed away. They died. They died. It doesn't mean anybody died. It's talking about a primordial state of 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 uh, um, divine attributes. They reigned and they died. So Kabbalah says that this shattering only happened in the, in the seven lower attributes. It didn't happen in the first three. The beginning In the first three, there was no shatter. Nothing broke. And primarily from the first three, what's the first three? Chachma, Keser Chachma Bina, not Das. Das broke, but Keser Chachma Bina, there was no shatter. And therefore it says, like it says, they die, but not with Chachma, not with wisdom. In wisdom, in Chachma, there is no death. In Chachma, there is no fall and there's no death at all. So where did, where did the shattering begin? In which level? The first king is called Bela. Which king are you talking about? This is talking about the in the end of Pashas Vayishlach, it speaks about the kings of Edom. And it enumerates that there were seven kings in the land of Edom, in which each one was king, was, became king, and then he died, and then he reigned, and he died, and so on. So in addition to them being physical kings in this world, maybe one day we'll find their grave somewhere, these seven kings, they personify a spiritual idea of seven primordial divine energies called kings that also fell and died. The first one is called the Bella. And in the word Bella, it means Upchenas Hadas. That's the level of Das. That's the first shattering. Ba'achrov, and afterwards, Shara Midois are the rest of the Midois. Chesed, Ugehuda, Uteferes. Chesed is love. And Gehuda, Uteferes. All these Midois. Until Yesod. So these are the seven kings that died. Benikra Bella, and it's called Bella Alberach. Why Bella? So Bella is the same word like Tuavali. So where do you find? What does it mean, swallowing? It's the concept where we see when did the exile begin with the story of Pharaoh having a dream and the seven meager-looking cows. Shimon, you have to go get a tea. No? The seven meager cows swallowed the seven fatty cows. So what does that mean? Seven fatty cow, fat cows, healthy-looking cows, represent the seven holy emotions. The first one represents the the connection to holiness, that holiness is real, God is real. And the other six represent the consequences of that, of that, of that, the consequence, the consequence of that connection. What is that? If you connect, if God is very real, then you love him. That's the, that's the second cow. And then you fear him. That's the, the third cow. And then you pride yourself with him. That's the fourth of Ferris and so on and so on. Each one is, 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 so, but these are the seven healthy cows. What happened by Paro? It says the seven 
of skinny, frightening looking cows ate up the seven. That means that when our emo holy emotions and holy connectivity gets swallowed up by an unholy connection and consequently by unholy passion, fears, and so on and so forth. The seven meager looking cows. It's not even known. They ate them up so much that you couldn't. You know what was, what was really scary? After the seven fat cows, skinny cows, 87 fat cows, you didn't even know that you couldn't even tell that they ate. They disappeared completely. It means that the das of holiness becomes swallowed completely. Instead of having holy das, we start getting a das, a different level of das, in which we know good and evil. So we know and we become very connected to the things that are not part of the unity or conceal the unity. Which means the klipa becomes our reality. Which is also called the hide of the snake. That becomes the reality of the snake starts, but what the snake tells us starts becoming real. Instead of what, and that means the height of the snake. We start taking on the height of the snake. And that obscures who master and hides our past condition on holy dance. And like Pharaoh says, I don't know God. That means he, 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 he had scientific, whatever evidence maybe, but he didn't know, know in a way that he connected him. It wasn't real. And it says, Yisrael, God also complains. Israel doesn't know. In other words, they, 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 they have a lot of scholarship, but they're not knowing. They're not, they don't know. I mean, my people aren't contemplating. However, what's the redeeming factor? What's, what's the good news? The bad news. The das can become so swallowed and so wrecked. What's the good news? The good news is that since in the first three Kesar, Chachma and Bina, there was no shattering. And in Chachma, there was no shattering at all. In Bina, there was a little bit of a shatter, the backside of Bina. But Chachma, no shatter. So Chachma itself remains intact, but also Chachma radiates to all the other spheroes. So there's a little bit of Chachma in every sphere. That Chachma that's in every sphere is still Chachma and it's not broken. And the, the, the radiance of Chachma that is shining into the lower spheres from Das and lower, over there too, there isn't a shattering and a falling. The Chachma that's in Chesed, even though the Chesed is falling, but the Chachma, the quintessential core beginning of this chesed, of this love, is still, it has potential for connection. It's just quiet. The chachma of gevura, there's chachma in everything. This idea that he said earlier, that there is oil in everything. In other words, there is oil. You go, you go, you go into, a, into a store and you look at essential oils. That's oil. But then you pick up a, a piece of cake and you rub, it's a, little, it's a little oily. And you take a piece of chicken, it's a little oily. And then you take even a, a mineral, and it has a little oil to it. And it's all got oil. The oil that's in it, that's the chachma that's in, that's in everything else. There's a little chachma that's the core beginning of everything. There is in the chachma that's enclosed in them, there is no shattering and there's no falling. 
Avin, on the contrary, and it says, that Chochma brings life. Not only is Chachma itself doesn't die, but Chachma enlivens others. Even that which broke the Chachma can, can redeem your love and can bring your love back to loving God. The Chachma can bring all the, all, all the seven cows that were eaten back, that were swallowed already, out of them being swallowed and re, re- reenacted or re- reborn again, so to speak. It can it can resurrect the seven imp- the seven fallen kings of Tom. It doesn't need life for itself. And it, it, it is no death, but to enliven somebody else. To enliven the Chachma of Chesed, the Toyu, of the world of Toyu that fell. It can re, re rectify and, 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 and re enliven the chesed that fell, the kindness that fell. And similar is in all the details of Torah. That have fallen below in the three lower worlds. And over there, that will shatter. This idea that everything in this world is in a state of disconnect. The chachma inside of it can, 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 can resurrect. The entire thing. The, and an example. Let me give an example. When you, when the Alta Rebbe says that when a Jew, when a Jew who's not too Jewish, this is, this is what we're learning in Tanya, a Jew that's not too Jewish, that's not a good statement. A, a Jew who's not revealing his Jewishness. He's not living his Jewishness. He buried his Jewish soul deep, deep, deep in a graveyard. And his entire life, he doesn't even look at his Jewishness at all. Doesn't remember it, is involved doing all kinds of other stuff. So the Alter Rebbe says, yeah, even this person has got a point where he's still connected. It's just covered, it's obscured, it's concealed. And what's the proof? The proof is if someone wants to grab him, someone will grab him by the collar and force him to disconnect from his Judaism, he will fight and die for it. Someone wants to, someone comes and confronts him head on. And tells him you can't be a Jew anymore, even though his Jewishness didn't mean anything to him all his life, by someone provoking it and trying to shove a cross in his face and making him like kiss the cross or 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 or, or go into the church and whatever or do whatever, the person will fight and will die for it. And we found that as the fact throughout history of hundreds of thousands of Jews who gave their lives. And they weren't great rabbis, and many of them were very simple people, and many of them weren't, weren't just simple, but they were sinners. Oh, so what happens? When that Chachma is awakened, is it only that Chachma and afterwards, okay, what happens if the, while they were ready to burn this guy in the, in the Inquisition, they were ready to put him on, throw him into the, onto the, or hang him on the gallows, or, or, or put him in the fire. And at the last minute, something happened, he was saved. There's a famous story where there was an earthquake by a auto de fe. At the last minute, the guy got away. So what do you think? He goes back to living his non his non-observant life. Well, you think he has a pretty much of a shakeup. And once you rattle this pintalier, this chachma, it's gonna spill over into everything. Most times it will spill over into everything. In other words, it will re that's the idea, it will resurrect all the other parts of his soul. Once the chachma has awakened, it will bring all parts of the soul back to life, all the external parts of his being. 
In other words, he will start praying. He will start keeping Shabbos. Or if he kept Shabbos, he will start keeping Shabbos more meaningfully. Every aspect of his life will start becoming more vibrant and more alive. All Judaism, all aspects of Judaism is Jewish practice. And because once the Chachma is awakened, it sends vibrations to the Chachma that's in every element of the person's experience and resurrects every aspect of it. is what it says in Eitzchayim, an interesting idea. In the concept of, wow, Havla de Garmi. Havla de Garmi, look at this, y'all see, it's getting better and better. Havla de Garmi. What's Havla de Garmi? Havla de Garmi means the little bit, it says that in the bones, there's a little bit to Hevel. Oh, yes, you came in just in time, based on us. Because he's discussing how Chiesa Mason, and you're in charge of that. You put him in, you got to take him out, Yossi, the Vestas. So, in any case, it's Havla de Garmi. What's the Havla de Garmi? It's the, it's, there's a little Hevel. Hevel means like a little bit of um, breath. That's left in the bones. Betchias amesim and betchias amesim. Shuhu mebchinas oira chachma. Look at that. What's left over in the dried out bones? There's somewhat. It's the light of chachma that's still there. Shabedesh peiches metzutzim. In the 288 sparks of holiness, they're like dried bones because once they're fallen, yet in them there's a little light of potential of chachma that's still there. And when you ignite it and when you light it up, shenafu hanisha hanishar bekelim. That this light that's in that's in the bones that's left over in the kalim in the vessels after they fell in order to enliven them. In other words, and that's you see it even physically that when a person's body is put into the ground, it decomposes. All there is is just a little skeleton left. There's still epis something there that can that will spark it. There's three levels. There's three levels called lights, sparks, and kalim. And I think the 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 the, the, nitzutz, the kalim shattered. The sparks are trapped in the broken kalim, and and but that's trapped. The oil that's there is still connected. And there's a third level, oirois. And the oirois, if you can fan the flame of the oil. You can fully ignite the nitzutz and you can then rectify the cave. And that's the so, he's not a, that's what I'm getting over here. It's not, I wasn't sure. Right? This is related to the four shameless. Av Sag Malban. Four 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 names of the youth cave of king. 72, 63, 45, and 52. Nisha, that in them it stayed. Again, this concept, I didn't get a chance to research it. So I don't know over here in which context he's saying this. But what he's saying is that in all levels of anything that shattered, there's still some point of something that's still connected. The lights of Chachma are always there. Any one of these four names, in order to enliven them, even after the shattering of the vessels. That's the whole concept. If you see this, this here it's, here it's an abstract concept of the Rebbe took this concept and made this his way of life. The Rebbe sent out his thousands of shluchim to blow the Chachma up in every Jew. 
The Reb, and the Rebbe taught us. The Rebbe said, I don't care how secular the guy is. I don't care what it is. And you don't have to be a great scholar. You don't have to come to someone and do a whole Arachim uh, presentation to prove to him that God exists. And the Torah is true. That's Other people feel that that's the way that the Rebbe said. You don't need to. A Jew, all you need to do is make him remember. He knows it all. Just remind him that he's a Jew. If you just remember he's a Jew, he does ah, Because the Chacham is there. He knows. He and he ah, remembers. And then, he, and then he loves Judaism. This is the extent. It's just a matter of memory. You have to, he forgot. There's a distraction. The world swallowed him up. The, the, the klipa swallowed up this person, swallowed up his consciousness. So you just have to remind, remind him. Activate that chachm. The chachm is there. And that's Tchias Mason. We think about when is Tchias Mason happened? Tchias Mason happened already. All the Jews who came back to Judaism, these are, these, this is a resurrection. And later, obviously, it's going to translate even into the bodies as well. But the idea, is already there. These are the dry bones that Hashem showed to Yechezkel. They will start getting life again. And that's when, when, you, when, you, when, these, when the bones stir, what happens to these Jews? You put them on tefillin one time, you get his bones to stir a little bit. A little Jewish, a little Jewish moisture starts to, 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 to come back into these dry bones. He starts developing slowly. He comes to shul, does one mitzvah, does another mitzvah, slowly gets involved more and more. Before you know, he's a full-fledged, fiery Jew keeping all the 613 commandments. What happened? It's like the story with the bones that they started suddenly come together and then the, the skin and the, 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 and, the, and the flesh and the skin and all that starts growing. And the reason is, as we said earlier, there's nothing shatters in Chachmah. And therefore, just like Chachmah itself didn't break, so too the Chachmah that's in in everything, there's a little bit of chachma that extends. That chachma doesn't shatter. Not only doesn't it shatter itself, it can enliven every mitzvah, every spark. The dialogue It is enough for those who understand. This is the, the, the root of the concept of the havla that the Zohar talks about. This, this, this hevel, this breath that's still in the bones. The chsiv And it says, interesting. It says, after a person passes away, and the soul goes up, it still says, his soul mourns for him. So according to the Arizal, it doesn't mean the soul in heaven mourns for him. It means there's a little bit of the soul that goes up to heaven, a little bit stays down here by the, by the body and mourns. What's that? That's the, the, the Nitzvot of Chachma that always remains even in the dead body. And Shayadei Hevel Hevel Zeph through this little bit of Hevel Yakuma Mes Petchias Amesim that will cause the Mes to get up by Petchias Amesim Ma'asin in the future. Ubeze Yuvah Mashakasa BePardes and with this we understand what it says in Pardes. Bekam B'Shar Svarim and also in all other Svarim. Pardes is the writings of the Ramah. Sheyacholim Lahoitzi Shemen Mekol Chelkei Datzach. You can bring you can take oil out out of everything. I mentioned that earlier. There's a little bit of oil of everything in domain, inanimate, on minerals, so plants that have oils. A high, every living creature, every animal is a little oil. And and medaber, and even the human body. Everything is oily, like you find, yeah, your head gets oily. This is oily skin. Oil and everything. Even in the domain, like stones. Because that's the chachma. There's chachma in everything. And that's why there's hope for everything. It's impossible. You can take out shaman that Hashem gave them shaman oil, from a hard rock. 
כי השמן מבחינת החוכמה בפרט, שמן זה חוכמה, הנמצא גם בכל מציאות פרטי, it's found in everything, בכל פרטי חלקי דוין ומצמא החיים בדבר, in every detail of דוין ומצמא, in other words, you can't, you don't, it's not only a Jew that you can make him remember, you can make the non-Jew also remember, you can make the animal remember, you can make the plants remember, you can make, the, you can make even the rocks remember, the חוכמה, that, 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 that point of connection, every, it can be turned on in every creature, And in every being, like we say, every being will know that you've created it. It will be that suddenly it will, 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 will click open. That's the idea. Like it says, we say, how great, how many are your actions, God? You made them all with Chachma. You see this Chachma and everything. And that's also the very Gavali reason we know That in every angel, you hear? Shimon. It says that in every angel is Hashem's name. Michael, Gavriel, Rephael. Which name? Kale. He's going to explain that the Kale is Chachm. And that's in everything. But by them, it's more revealed. That's why the Kale is. Everything has Chachm, but by them, it's more revealed. That's why you can see the Kale in them. It's part of their name. What does Kael have to do with Chachma? So here's the idea. Chachma and Bina are each 155. It says, that's the concept of the 310 worlds. Hashem said, Hashem is going to give to each tzaddik 310 worlds. It's the worlds that are created from the unity of Chachma and Bina. Because the Pasuk says, Kenei Chachma, purchase Chachma. Kenei Bina, or purchase or acquire Bina. Kene is 155. That's why kale, which is 31. Another explanation for it, that Samach Tzedek gives two explanations on this concept. The second explanation, why kale is Chachma. Because how many pathways of wisdom are there? There are 32 pathways of wisdom. The radiance of Chachma is only 31. The 32nd one is utterly unknowable, and that does not shine out. That remains private. But the ray of it that goes out is 31. And that's the kale. And that's what shines into everything. And that's why every malach has Michael, Gavriel, Rafael, Riel. It's all the kale inside of it. Yeah. It's the Nehir, it's the Lumen. And that's why the malach is, what's, 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 the, what's, the, what's the main idea of a malach? He surrendered to God. He's in a state of Gittel Tasha. It's the bitl that's in every creature. So how will we come alive? We will come alive, but we remember that we're not here for ourselves. We're here for God. And when we remember that, we activate our chachma and we really get it. It fills our entire being. There's no death. It resicates everything from its fall. Chachma brings life. And here we're going to bring it back in amazing what the sages say. 
just like the Zayas, makes us forget. Oh, Yossi, there's, by the way, another one over here. Just like the Zayas makes us forget, um, it's on the second page, 220, towards literally five lines before the end of the page, on the bottom, on the second column. Just like a zayis, the, 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 the olive makes you forget 70 years. Why 70? The learning of 70. Because 70 are the seven emotions that have fallen. That's why it's, you forget is related to the forgetting of 70. Forgetfulness comes from, from shattering. What does shikha mean? What do you forget? If you're, if you're really, really attached to something, you don't forget. When you can forget something is a sign that uh, you're not really connected. It's a scary thought, but that's the way it is. When you're really connected, you don't forget. So, is probably the poorest excuse for having not done something to forget. It basically shows it wasn't so important to begin with. I forgot. It's my, my wife always gets very upset at me when I tell her I forgot. Uh, okay, it's a different story, but that's the story. <laughs> that's because of the shattering that wasn't the first king. Where did it all start? Bella, who swallows up the das. He disconnects the das. Once you disconnect the das, then you forget. You can learn something five minutes later, you've totally forgotten it. It's as if you never had learned it, as if you've never known it, and you suddenly find yourself in a complete opposite state of, of operation. It totally contradicts everything you learned and you know. You forgot. How do you forget? Because the das is became disconnected. And the olive, the bitter olive, it's from the klipa. Which is called the height of the snake. Its root is from the shattering. That's why it makes you forget of 70 years. But when you crush the olive, which means you crush that ego, you crush that 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 metzias of I am, which comes as a result of forgetting God, so they become full of self. Like the Pesach said, if you forget God, that he's the one who's giving you the strength to make wealth, to make wealth, and you start... You forget. So if you forget God, then you start thinking it's your own power. Then you become the person becomes inflated in their own metzias. Come inflate their own metzias. Then right. So what do you need? What does the person need? A little crush. The crush of that olive suddenly releases the oil, and then you remember. And what see him? And then the oil comes out. Which is the wisdom. Which is the law of remembrance. The oil abba of the light of father. Chachma. Remembrance is in is in Chachma. That's why we know that in the Tefillin there are four parshios: Kadesh, Vayikviyachatu, and it says that the four parshios are Chachma, Bina, and Das splits into two. So the first parsh is Kadesh, and it says Vayalizikarin Beinenecha. It says in the parsh of Kadesh, because Kadesh is Chachma, and that's what Zikarin is. That's what remembrance. Is. In a master, that brings back the forget you forgot from 70 years. Chachma is the opposite of forgetting. Because there was no shattering in Chachma at all. 
That's why people, one of the things you saw by our Rebbe, amazing, the Rebbe never, ever forgot a person. There's no such a thing. It never happened. Someone came, it's like he saw him 60 years earlier, the Rebbe would pick off from the conversation he had with him. And, like, and people were like, he said, oh, he's a good brain. In a state of Chachma, ain't shikha, there's no forgetting there. Everything is just now. Because whenever he saw anybody, he attached himself completely to that individual. Completely. And the person enters his panemius, into his inner core of remembrance. No thing is forgetting. And the reason for 70 years, why do we say that you forget 70 years? Because the seven lower ones are include ten. In there, there is a shikha nefellus band. There is shikha there. But chachna the ability to restore the what was forgotten by Einstein. From now, you will understand. Now we'll understand why to connect and to lift the sparks, which are the neiros. To do that, you have to first do what? You have to pour the oil. Because the oil is the chal. You have to activate the oil. The shemen upsila with the shemen and the wick. This shemen, this oil is the general chachma. Which every creature has. Shal yada through it, they will be resurrected from their fall. But there is a condition. They have to accept the message of Chach. And they have to surrender with it. They have to have the Bittal. When there is a Bittal, when the Yesh, when the somethingness, when the ego, when the Metziusness of something surrenders itself. Shvira comes, the shattering happened when things became revealed into somethingness. So when things go back into a surrender to source, there is no, there's no shadow. So Chachma is the antithesis to the Shvira, to the shadow. And this is also seen in the idea, what, what happens to the oil? Oil is not just that it's oil, but oil, the quality of oil is that the oil becomes nothing. The quality of oil is that the oil happily, joyfully, without a fight, without complaining, it doesn't resist, it's not kicking and screaming. The oil allows itself happily almost like to, to become not. And that's the quality of Chach. The oil becomes combustiated and it gets, and gets absorbed in the fire. So much so that you can see that the, the oil becomes fire. That you can see in the change, the color of the fire will depend on the, on, the, on what kind of oil you're using. The cleaner the oil. So you see that it literally, be, it's integrated in the fire. From the flame comes from the oil. If it's a little murky, if it's very clean, depending if the oil is a clean oil, it makes a much cleaner flame. Like we see it naturally. Without the oil, the brightness of the fire wouldn't be there at all. The brightness of the of the of the fire is from the oil. 
but the shaman becomes expires into the fire. He will nimshach achar apsil. It goes into the wick. The nichlal beish and it gets absorbed in the fire. And so we'll understand also if you look at the chachma element that's in all the worlds. That's the chachma is what brings everything back to its to its to its surrender to its source. To because bittul ayesh tafkets the bittul in every element of existence to its source cannot. Well, bittul ayesh la ayin tafket goyne mamshah now. But here's the thing. When somethingness, when the world, when the Metziah Sa'olam, when the existence of stuff becomes surrendered to nothingness, melt into the nothingness, what does it do? When the oil gives to the fire, it brings the fire down. It, 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 when there's no oil to be burnt in the fire, the fire goes back to its abstract nothingness and the fire is not here. See, here's the thing. The oil has to go from, the, from something to nothing, but the fire has to go from nothing to something. The fire becomes visible and noticeable, but only when there's oil. So the same is also. God is nothingness in the sense that he has beyond all definition. We want to bring down God into the concrete, visible flame, visible presence in this world. In order to bring God into the physical presence from nothing to something, it requires the, the somethingness of the oil to surrender to the nothing. So through the chachma going up, it draws down. And that's, what's that? That's the oil of the simcha. That's the light and the joy of this divine, like Aaron Akoh, and he's bringing by, down a trickle of God's joy into your neshama. That's Hashem literally entering your soul and igniting you with an unbelievable, uh, beyond otherworldly joy. How does that happen? How does that enter into, into a state that we can experience it? That's, that has to do first with the bitl. First, you need to surrender yourself to God. First, you need to do that mitzvah. First, you have to activate the oil into the fire, and then they, that's the response. So, when the yesh goes to the ayin, into the nothingness, that causes the ayin, the nothingness, to go down to the something. Something from something doesn't happen. It has to be from nothing, from nothingness. Just like the lights of the lamp will only burn after the oil expires in it. That's the root of And who accomplishes all of this? Aaron. Because Aaron is the one who brings the oil into the into the menorah. In other words, he gives us this capacity. He, to, Aaron is the one who wakes up in each and every one of us our oil to activate the chachm. And that's why Aaron is able to then afterwards bring down the joy from above into our soul. Through our bitl of our egos and our self to nothingness, that's the, which Aaron helps us through activating our oil. That draws the oil self, the infinite, into Chachma and through Chachma down into the world. Chachma is the first recipient. And that's called light. And from Chachma, which is called light, once the once the orange, I see when the orange is higher than Chachma, when the infinite light is higher, that's not light. It's unknown. It's completely beyond. But when it comes into Chachma, it's already already Chachma. We know is an epiphany. Chachma is already a revelation. It's already some bit of something. So Chachma is the first flash of godliness. That's called illumination, like light. 
And once that illumination can come into Bina, you can actually understand it a little bit and connect to it a little bit. That, that's joy. That's Simcha. Uh, and then from the simcha that's taking place in Bina, Arana Cohen draws that down into every nisham to give us a little what's called simcha shal mitzvah, the joy of a mitzvah. And then he finally brings it into the emotion, into Malchus. Remember we said that Aaron and his name, the long nun, that's the long nun of Malchus going all the way down, which channels this joy to each and every one of us. And this is the great joy of a mitzvah. Do as it is known, as it is known, the basic rule, the Orin Sof will never nest and will never dwell. Only where there is surrender. So you have to put the oil in, which the oil creates the bitl from something to nothingness, which then captures the oil and the simcha to anchor that down. Take a, 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 a few minute break, and then we have just the last short little piece over here to finish. That's Shem in a couple of minutes. Okay.
Now we're holding a tiv dolly. Let's try it. I, I didn't uh, didn't uh, get this piece, I think, well enough. But who knows? Maybe now it'll come together. So this is the root of the concept. It should take to you. Now he's going to bring in the moisture Because till now we're learning all about the quality of Aaron's neshama. Aaron helps both lift, lift the souls and the sparks up from the disconnected realm into the connection. And he also allows channels from the purely infinite delight and pleasure of the mitzvah all the way down to the physical human being down here that even though in this world you can't experience the reward of the mitzvah, but somewhat of the, of the joy, it's possible for a person to experience the joy in the mitzvah. This otherworldly joy. But, but he's going to explain now why when they took the, it doesn't say that Aaron should go ahead and get the oil. It says Moshe should get the oil. So why does it have to, and it emphasizes very strongly Moshe, so much so that the Pasuk says, Va'ata, and you. So it emphasizes, Tafke you. So what's Moshe, why is Moshe the one in charge of oil itself? First we have to preface, what is the concept of Moshe? In, 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 in relationship to Aaron, what's, what's Moshe? Moshe is called the escort of a king. As we said earlier, in a wedding, there's an escort for the chassan and an escort for the kala. Chassan kala, groom and bride. It is explained above. Next week, I'm going to be an escort for the grooms. I have to learn this Moshe part before. Yes, that's the reason why I have to learn it this, this, this Thursday. is explained earlier. It is explained um, earlier when it says outside of the Paroiches. So he explained that the whole... That the, remember, one of the things he, the Mimer started with, we didn't learn, learn about it today, but we learned about it last week, was that the whole idea of, of, of arranging the lamps, it says, should be done outside the parochas. And what's the concept of outside the parochas? So we learned last week that the parochas is the partition that separates between the worlds of, with the state of unity and the state of separation. Atzilus is a state of unity. Perfect oneness with God. The lower levels, the three lower worlds, is already a state of separated consciousness. Where are the sparks that need to be elevated? What does it mean a spark needs to be elevated? It means because it's trapped in an unholy setting. What's the unholy setting? A setting of separation, a setting that doesn't acknowledge the unity and the oneness of God. So on the other side of the curtain, in Atsilus, there's no separation of it. There's no need for any elevation of sparks. Elevation of sparks, the arranging of the lamps is taking outside of it. That's not Moshe's zone. 
Moshe doesn't belong outside of the parochas. Moshe hangs out on the on the other side of the parochas. He's a man of the Holy of Holies. That's why it says that Aaron will go into the Holy of Holies once a year. Moshe can go at any time. Moshe is an entity of the Holy of Holies. He's an entity of Atsilas. And therefore, he's not, he's not like Aaron who goes down into the outside of the parochas range to help connect. And that's why Aaron is the one who brings the bride. He has to lower himself down to the world of the bride and bring the bride up from her lowly state to the group. Moshe's job is in Atsilas. But what Moshe does, Moshe is the, is the one who brings the Oren self into Atsilas. Because Moshe is, Moshe is the Torah. Torah and Moshe. Moshe is Chachma itself. Aaron is the one who sparks the Chachma in every creature and every being to help reveal it and uncover it. But Moshe is Chachma itself. Moshe is Chachma Vatsilos. Moshe is the one that facilitates the whole channeling of, of Orin Sof into... It's almost like Moshe would be the one who... Okay, let's leave that. Okay, that, 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 that maybe doesn't fit so well, but let's see. So all of this whole job, which we spoke about, elevating the sparks, bringing down Simcha Shal Mitzvah down here, this is all elevating. Alosman means raising feminine waters, Mibia, from three lower worlds, Bria, Tzir, and Asiya, Laatzilos, to the world of Atzilos, to the world of emanation. Ava Moshe, but Moshe, he is the, the, the escort of the king. He's the one who brings down. Here's the thing. It's explained in other places in Hasidus that when we lift the spark up, it's called Allah's man. It's raising feminine water. Even after it's lifted up, it can't really join and become utterly unified with its source. On its own. As high as it goes, it elevates itself only to a peak. It needs a counter descent. Brothers, when we lift something up, it's almost like we're passing things from down here up to God. Just a simple example. We're lifting it up, and we need to, we need God's hand to come down and pick it up from where we're lifting. It's like there has to be a to bring it all the way in, someone from above us to pull it in. So we can lift it up. That's why it says that every bitter. Every refinement that we do has to be re-refined. One refinement happens. One refinement happens from us, from our work. And that's called processed. We process the spark by removing the coarseness, the unholy, and we, we bring a, 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 a pure energy in its purity up. But even when we think it's pure and ready to be completely assimilated in the divine, it's only purity the way we understand purity. It's not the ultimate purity. It needs the light from above to come down and to give it a second purification. It's like in the in Yisod in the Mishkan, in the Mizbeach, in the altar. We took a we took a animal and put it on a fire, and then the fire came from heaven and finished it. It's a double double procedure. So one is called the raising of the feminine waters because we're feminine, bringing it upward. And the other one is the descent of the masculine waters. So as much as we lift something up, Moshe is the channel and the funnel for the masculine waters. So it's actually Moshe, Moshe also has to participate in the lighting of the lamps. 
but his participation is higher than Aaron. Aaron is the one who activates and brings it up, and Moshe is the final rectification of it by bringing down the divine light down. The and this is the idea. Now, what does it mean? If Aaron is the tzaddik, if Aaron Akohen is this big tzaddik, which and whose whose job is to inspire, that's Aaron. Aaron is this big tzaddik whose job is to ignite, to spark, to inspire. Moshe's job is not the tzaddik who's inspiring. Moshe's job is the perfect sage. Who you know that every word that comes out of his mouth is halacha and Torah. That's a different type of a thing. There are people who have a way into the soul of every person. Now, I want to say something. Moshe and Aaron weren't always... In the first generation, there were two roles, Moshe and Aaron. In later generations, you had certain tzaddikim that facilitated both roles. They were Moshe and they were Aaron. They can channel from above and they can also raise from below. They had the qualities of both wrapped into one. But in that generation, Aaron represented this elevation of Moshe. And what's the quality of Moshe? The quality of Moshe is pure Torah, pure divine communication. In that sense, Moshe is much higher than Aaron because Aaron is when divine, when godly light comes down, it triggers an excitement and a joy. That's already, it's, it's already an experience. That's already our experience from the light. But the, the light itself, the actual transmission is Moshe. Aaron is the Simcha Shal Mitzvah. Right? It's, it's already an experience of, of, of how I'm feeling about it. Yes, I'm being touched by God's joy, and that's what's causing the exhilaration to be. And also, we know that the exhilaration over here is a very bitter type of joy. It's not one of, of self-consciousness. It's a very high level of, it's a, oil, it's a very oily joy. It's not a wine joy. Wine is a joy of, of self. An oily joy means while you're experiencing the joy, you're in a state of abnegation. It's a very, it's an interesting comment. But still, it's still the joy of it. Moshe is the pure, the pure divinity without any anything about it, just the pure divine. So Moshe, as he would represent it in all later generations, he is the person who's Tayrasai Umnasai. The Torah is his profession. Every word that comes out of his mouth is Torah. Pure Torah. He's a channel. That's it. And therefore, that person is the king himself. He's basically the mouthpiece of the king. He's not telling you how he feels about God. He's not telling you how he's excited about God. Like Aaron can tell you how, how God is firing him up. Moshe is not telling you anything about he because he doesn't exist. He's just <laughs> to draw down the word of God down here. That's who he is. He's like the king who's decreed. And like the stages say that the Mishnah is a king. The Mishnah is God. In what sense? The Mishnah is the mouthpiece of God speaking. Saying, this is permitted. I like the decreeing, the decrees. Like it says, my words that I put into your mouth. And this is higher even than Remember we said Nair Mitzvah. The Mitzvah is spark rising. 
The mitzvah is, we said, the mitzvah is representing the world rising upward, our desire to cleave, our desire to, even our surrender, but it's still our surrender. That's the ner mitzvah. Torah or, that's the godly light descending. That's the light, the lights itself. So when Aaron put the oil in it, and it, but whose light was it? It was Moshe's light in that sense. Even though we learned earlier in the beginning of the Mimer that, that the, the Torah is considered little strands of here compared to the mitzvah, which is the scalp itself of God. And the Torah is just little tiny. So the mitzvahs are really much higher than the Torah. Way beyond. Torah is a little expression that explains the mitzvahs. That's what we learned in the beginning of the Mimer. I'm not going to go over that, what we discussed last week. And how we say now that Moshe is, a, is the, uh, that, that it's, it's, it's Torah or is higher than their mitzvah than the lamp of the mitzvah. He says like this, in the source of sources, mitzvah is much higher than Torah. But once it manifests in the world, mitzvahs are done down here. And mitzvahs is us lifting ourselves to God as opposed to Torah, which is a pure divine community. So in the source, the root, the pleasure that God gets, the desire that he has in the mitzvah is higher. But the actual act of the mitzvah is us bringing ourselves close to Hashem. In Torah, it's it's just it's just pushing the button and letting God talk. So Torah and Torah, the fact that Torah can come down in this world is because in its source, it's already far lesser godliness, and that's why it can come in. Mitzvahs we can't facilitate the desire of the mitzvah. That's why the mitzvah down here is in a state of separation. But not separation, separation. But that's what I'm saying. It's not just a continuum of the divine like Torah. So the Mila of mitzvah is that it has a higher source and it and it triggers something much deeper. But the quality of Torah is that in, in its state, Torah is the king itself. When you're learning Torah, you are God. You're just you're just a funnel for godliness to come through you. That Torah is only here. Which is high, lower than the whiteness of the skull. Which is the root of the mitzvah. Once these lights come down into the world, to become enclosed in the world, mitzvahs descended much more. They became part of, they became enclosed in the three lower worlds. Bria, Yitzir, and Asiyah. A mitzvah is, is done, and the physical act of a mitzvah is being done from a being that's not God who's doing something for God, for Hashem. which isn't the case of Torah, which is the light for the mitzvah, Moshe is called the channel of the king. Va'ar or the escort of the king. And Aaron is called the one who helps us up. Therefore, That's also the reason that regarding the lamps of the menorah, there's two verses. One of them says Tamid all the time. Right at the beginning of the parsha. To, to bring up a ner tamid, a constant lamp. But later when it says, when Aaron is doing it, it says, from evening till the morning. So there's a differentiation of time. But in, in the first passage, it just says tamid. 
And the answer is, in the three lower worlds, which is the three lower worlds is a state of disconnect, you have ups and downs. You have closer and further. Times when there's, that's why there's differences between morning and night. There is, there is, there is, there is this whole differentiation of time. Times of more light, times of less light, of more illumination, less illumination. In the world of Atsilus, which is a world that never became disconnected, it's a world of oneness. Over there, there's consistency. And there's, it's always tummed, it's always unified, because it's still the world of the divine. And it's, there, there's, the, the, over there, the, the, the divinity of the, of the Atsilus is tummed. Since Moshe's Nair is an Atsilus, Moshe is Lahalis Nair Tamil. Aaron's Nairis is the Nairis of Biyah, to lift the world up. And there, there's a difference. That's what he's going to explain. Kiba Atsilus, because an Atsilus, that he and his emanations are one. Ain't Shomchenes Aliyas, over there, there's no elevations and descents. It's not such changes like there is in Biyatir and Asiyah. That's why there's a consistency on the lamps. It's all the time. Which isn't the case in Bria Tzirin Over there, how do we know it's in Bria Tzirin the three lower worlds? Because it says outside of the Parochas. So you should arrange it. Now he says it is Moshe is Chachma. One of the reasons about Moshe was Moshe had a hard time speaking because Chachma is Bittal. When a person is in a state of self-suspension, you can't talk. You're never in a state of Chachma and you're talking. The only time you can talk when you're binaing, when you're chewing on a concept, you can talk. When you're in a moment of, 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 of creativity, something is flashing in your mind, you become silent. Siagla Chachma, Shtika, silence. Chachma is shtika, because Chachma, you, 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 have no, you have no self in Chachma. So Moshe, whose entire being was one, one, one energy of Chachma, Moshe couldn't talk, because he was in a state of such a bittle. Hashem had to give him a mouth that even though, and it didn't diminish his Chachma, Moshe remained in a state of Chachma and yet spoke, because when he wasn't speaking, it wasn't him speaking. That's why it was God speaking through him. And because Moshe Rabbeinu was pure Chachma. Now, what does Aaron have to do? What did we learn earlier? Aaron has to ignite the Chachma in every being. That's what we said. That's the oil. That's how you light the menorah. They get the bitl. But Aaron needs to get that from who? From Moshe. Because Moshe is the Chachma. That's why it says when it started right after the story of Shemin, what's the next parasha? Parasha Tetzavah. Va'ata and you, Moshe, hakrave elecha es Aaron achicha. Bring Aaron, your brother, close to you. In other words, because in order for, to activate Aaron's ability to be able to ignite the oil in, in, in every creature and in every being, he needs to get it from Moshe. Like I told the story earlier of that, of that shliach, I told that whole story. So he had to go to the Rebbe. And that, if you want to look at Aaron and Moshe, you can see it like this. Moshe is, is, is the Rebbe. Aaron are all the shluchim. They're all here. They're all igniting neshams. And they're lowering themselves down. They're in a state of discontent. They're, they're a lower. They're in the world. They're regular people who enjoy and have a gishmak and gashmis to things. It's not people that are tzaddik and run it, but they're connected to the oil. They're connected to Moshe. And through the through Moshe, who's got the shaman, they can find the shaman in every being and ignite that shaman. So that's what he's saying. You bring him close. Bring him up to Atsilus, to become absorbed in Atsilus. 
And it's interesting because even though he said earlier that Aaron, the reason Aaron can elevate people is because he's from the Hechal HaMelech and he's close. And he's also one of the people, people in the palace. And that's why he can bring people in. So yet, so if Aaron Mechura has that shaykhness, why does Aaron need Moshe to do that? So it looks like within closeness, there's darkness. And Moshe is perfectly connected. And Aaron is close, but not on that same level. And Moshe has to lift Aaron up to himself to bring Aaron into the other side of the, of the partition. And in every world, Moshe is always higher than all the partitions. It's an amazing teaching about what a Rebbe is, what a Moshe is. To him, there's no, there's no partitions. To him, there's nothing separating from God. He sees everything from the divine perspective or everything is one with Hashem, literally. And therefore, the moment he looks at us, he sees you as you're playing a role in the divine plan. And if you're getting a little confused, he straightens you out. But that's, <laughs> the, the, the Indian is that he, the, 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 there's just, the, because he's above the partitions. None of these barriers block for him. That's the point. That's the Moshe. He's higher than the name of Elohim. Elohim is the partition. He's above the, the Elohim. That's why you have to bring the Shem and Zayis to Moshe. Piddish, what does that mean? The You, Moshe. Bring the oil. In order to make the Birudim. This, this point of here I didn't understand so well. The order of Birudim is that they first have to do it in Atsilus and then in Biyah, which contradicts what we were learning earlier, because earlier we were learning that in, in Atsilus you don't have to do any bitter. What does he mean? First the bitter is in Atsilus and then in Biyah, so you have to first bring the oil to Moshe. I'm not clear of this. I don't know. Since the real power of bitter is through Chachma, and Chachma creates letters, Chachma is the source of Oisiyos. And, and, and so you need to have Torah to do bitter, which is Chachma, which is the letters of the Torah. And who gives us the letters of the Torah? Who speaks the words of Torah? That's Moshe. Aaron is inspiration. Moshe is the letters of Torah. So therefore, and therefore, and that's, and that's the bitter. And that's why the point is like this. Aaron can like your neshama, but you need to have people learning Torah. When you learn with people Torah, then you have what to ignite. If they don't have no Torah, then it's not going to work. You need to study. You need to give them letters of Torah. Then when they have letters of Torah, then, because without, that's the oil. That's, and that's why the the S, S B'nai Yisrael, you should bomb S's from Aleph through Tav. And he's the one who gives koyach to Aaron to, to light the lambs. And that's called male horses. We spoke about horses a lot. Female horses is Aaron. He's, 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 he's elevating the horses. He's having them race upward. Moshe is the, is the male horses. They're running down. They're bringing godliness down. That's what establishes that you can always ignite through Torah and Maven. He says, and I'm, and I'm not the Maven. I don't understand what he's talking about over here. I'm sorry for saying that, but that's the truth. After all this three hour, five hours of learning, I'm done. I don't get what he's saying here, but that's fine. 
It's all dependent, just I get. It's all dependent on that evidence. It's all dependent on motion. Whether the Berudim that are coming from, from the bottom up, the Aaron Canal, or whether there seems to be certain Berudim that happen from up, which is a concept of Hasidus that just by learning Torah, you're already doing a beer. That kind of beer is also it's all dependent on motion. Then Aaron can light the menorah from below. Maybe it's also the idea that the that the that the Aaron Jews, which are all the Kohanim, all the Jews that are out there kindling the menorahs of all the Jewish people, need to first learn Hasidus. They need to hear the Oisius Arab. They need to hear the words of the Rebbe. They need to hear the holy letters. They have to have this godliness that's transmitted through these holy letters. These are pure letters. Once you have the Oisius Arav, then meaning the words of the letter of the teacher, then with that you can discover the oil in everybody and ignite their soul. And without Moshe, Aaron would never be able to light the lamps. for the risk we said earlier that we're almost finished. With this, we'll understand why Moshe was commanded with this mitzvah. They should bring the, the olive oil to Moshe. Why by Moshe it says a constant lamp and by Aaron. It says from morning to evening. Because raising the feminine waters of the three lower worlds is that all, everything that goes up from, the, from this from the three disconnected worlds into Atsilus goes through Malchus. Malchus is the, the last She's called the doorway. Malchus is called the Pesach. Zahashar Lashem. Malchus is the Pischul Ishari Tzedek, where, where things enter and exit. Because Malchus is the final stage. Now, Malchus is a source of time. So, from Malchus and lower is governed by time. And even elevating sparks through Malchus has times. Doors are open more, doors are open less. Malchus fluctuates because Hashem Melech, Hashem Moloch, Hashem Yimloch. In Malchus, there is a concept of past, present, and, and future. Past, present, future. Kingship means revelation. He's revealing himself to be a king. expression, oil of light. In that, there is past, present, and future. In other words, where God is not revealing himself to the world, but God's for himself, there is no time. It completely is beyond time. If you do have Eitz Chaim, that's the reason it's explained in Eitz Chaim. In Arizal, it says the reason why women are putter, women are exempt from time-bound mitzvahs, is because the source of women's souls is in Malchus. And Malchus is the source of time. And therefore, the time-bound mitzvahs, they don't have to keep. Which is a strange thing. You would think the opposite. Since the source of the time-bound, since they're sourced in Malchus, which is time. So the time-bound mitzvahs would be shaykh to women more than to men. But some reason, we say the opposite. That because, and it always bothers me when I teach this and I learn this, and I never really got a good explanation of that. But this idea, it always says that women are potter because they're shayrish in, in Malchus, about the sources of man, of time, and therefore they're potter from the mitzvahs that are time. 
You would, yeah. Um, I, I understand there's a connection there, but I don't understand why that is the, the that comes out. We would, the root of time is in the feminine dimension, the dynamic. And that's why also, for instance, the sun, which is male, there's no change. The sun is always the same. The moon, which is female, changes. Full moon, constant fluctuation. And Malchus is called Asar Demishtani. It's a place that changes. And that's why by Aaron's neighbors, which are all an elevation through Malchus, it says Erev Agvaike, morning, evening. There's a difference of morning and night. By Moshe, consistency, because Moshe is a masculine soul in this sense, and Aaron is the feminine soul. By Aaron, who's called the Shoshvina, she's the escort of the bride. It says from evening till morning. That represents all times. Erev represents the 12 combinations, permutations that dominate the night. Every night, every hour of the night is a different seruf of God's name. Every hour of the day is a different seruf of, uh, by day it's the ten serufim of Havaya, by night it's the ten serufim of Aleph, Dalet, Nun, Yud. But every hour is different, and when we say Erev, it includes all the serufim of night, and Boiker, morning, represents all the serufim of day. But that these differences are only in Malchus. Moshe is a masculine soul. He's the, he's the husband of Elokim. He is the man of Elokim. Elokim is Malchus. He's the husband of Malchus. He's above Malchus. By him, there is no time. In him, there is absolute consistency. No time, no, that, no forgetfulness, no passage of time. It's all one. He's Okay. I will... Openly admit that this entire end of the mimer, but that's okay. Mashiach will come. When we learn and we'll understand that a little better. Hopefully, when Mashiach will be revealed. Okay, everyone. Saiga Bench. Next week, Thursday, I'm not in town. Shabbat Brachis. And I doubt I'll have Koyach after Shabbat Brachis, the night after the wedding, to give the Shir from New York. Uh, so probably not. Um, but Bez uh, Hashem. And the following week, I'm flying in on Thursday to a bar mitzvah. But maybe, Ariel, if you remind me, I'll do the share Wednesday night instead of Thursday night because I don't want to miss two weeks. All right? That's the plan. Hopefully, we'll be ready Thank you, everybody, for joining.